Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you gain a deeper relationship with your teen. On today's episode, Mark Gregston answers some of your most pressing questions. Let's hear what he has to say. You guys ask so many questions <laughs> that I am I am sitting here looking at a stack of probably 50 questions that I'm trying to get to, and uh, I'll keep chiseling away at all of them and, and try to get them to you as soon as I can. You know, a, a couple of things that I want you to know. I just came out with a grandparenting book. It's called Grandparenting Teens, um, and um, I think it's one of my best books, and it's in hardcover, which is my first hardcover book. I guess that means uh, it's better than a softcover book. I have no idea. Uh, but it's a it's a wonderful book. And if you're a grandparent, um, you want to read this. It just helps you connect with teens. If you are a parent and you want your grandparents or your parents to engage differently, then this would be a great book for them to kind of uh, let them know what place they play and um Uh, in the lives of your kids and how to uh, accentuate and be very intentional about moving toward them. The other thing I want to share with you is that we have family and crisis conferences at Heartlight all the time, and we have also moved to Zoom calls. Um, And these are for families who go, you know, I'm having some struggles, I'm having some difficulties, but I don't think it's time for me to send my child off to a program somewhere. You can find out about that at um, Family Crisis Retreat. Dot com. That's familycrisisretreat.com. It's either a Zoom call or it's here on property at Heartlight in Longview, Texas. And uh, there's a small charge uh, for each of those. And uh, one's six hours for Zoom calls and the other one's two and a half days. So anyway, uh, look that up. The other thing is, uh, if you know me, you know that I am a founder and um, CEO of a uh, residential counseling center for struggling teens. We have 65 high school kids that live here with us from all over the country that are struggling a bit. And um, and so we work with them and their families. And why I spend so much time on the road is to keep people from ever having to send their child to us. But the litmus test is uh, in determining whether a child comes here or not is, is your child going to be better off in six months or worse off? Uh, in a world where teens are taking their lives and getting involved in things they don't need to be involved in, um, they may need something like a heart light. It's when everything else has failed and it's spinning out of control and you think it's going to get worse. We are always looking for residential staff. This is 21 to 28-year-old single staff. You have to be single just because you live in a house with uh, other single staff, the, the way we have the house's staff. There, there may be four young ladies or four young men in each one of the houses that live with six to eight high school kids. And uh, it's just the way that we've kind of set up. But if you're interested in something like that, go to a yearintexas.com, a yearintexas.com. And we ask for a year commitment, come spend a year with us and and uh, put in some time on the mission field of East Texas at Heartlight. Okay, the questions that we have today, I, I, I think are important. And, and uh, of course, all of them are important because you're asking them, and I'm going to try to buzz through as many of these as I can. I think there's like 10 questions. And so um, th- this first question is, you know, that, and I'll read them to you first. My 16-year-old son wants to stay in his room. 
Another person says, I have a 13-year-old daughter who has a friend that's gay. I have an 18-year-old daughter who thinks she's gay. My daughter's in the 10th grade and started a new school. She's so used to rejection. It's all she feels. Somebody else said, my son is struggling with depression and anxiety. Somebody else said, look, I'm a grandparent raising my grandkids. Uh, How do I do this parent and grandparent thing at the same time? Somebody else says, uh, my 16-year-old struggles socially and has no friends. Um, And he struggles academically. Another one says, I have three sons, uh, but they're arguing all the time. Uh, Evidently, they're close in age to each other, and it's a constant fight. And then somebody else says, I have, I'm a mother of four daughters, 15, 14, 11, and 9. God bless you for having them like that. My husband left 20 years ago, um, and uh, our, my girls are having a tough time um, dealing with that. So anyway, let me go through these questions and maybe give you some direction uh, on some of it, and, and maybe this will help. The first thing is my 16-year-old son wants to stay in his room most of the time when we're home. He's either on the phone or electronics. So say, and this is what you need to do is spend some time saying, what is it about me that keeps my child from wanting to interact with me? Um, that's the first place to go always. The second thing is to ask, what is it about our home that would make somebody want to spend time in their room and not engage with other people? That's an important question. It may be a very stale and sterile home that it may be very strict. It doesn't allow anybody to engage or have fun or laugh or, you know, you serve rotten meals or something. But I mean, you got to look at that. Then the third thing is saying, what is it about my son that uh, that needs to change? And this is where I, I would give you some input and say, you know what? He stays in his room on his phone electronics because he isn't required to do anything else. And I would think at age 16, he needs to be required to have a job. And the reason I think he needs to have a job is because he learns a sense of value. He learns how to serve people. He learns how to put up with rejection. He learns about the value of money. And and you're filling his time. If you don't fill his time, yes, a young man who's visually stimulated will want to sit around and play electronics all the time. And at some point, you've got to require something different. And so it may be that, hey, I want to help you buy a car because you're not going to be driving ours forever. It needs to be something. I'll match money. I'll give some money. I'll do something. You're going to have to come up with something. And you don't let him use your car. Or you get an old van, you know, that and let him drive that because that isn't too cool. It's hard to be cool in a minivan. And where he wants to have his own car so that he's not embarrassed. The other question, the other comment here is I have to ask him to continually do his homework. He's 16 years old. He's two years away from being an adult. I would quit asking him to do his homework, and I would tell him this. Look, look, you're 16. Life is, is going to be different. Um, I'm not going to bug you to do your homework. And so if you want to go to summer school or if you want to flunk, it's up to you. This is your choice. You need to figure it out because I'm not bugging you and ruining our relationship. That may be the reason that he's sitting in his room because he's tired of being hammered by you about doing his homework all the time. So quit. Just say, I'm not going to do it anymore. The other thing is we think you need to get a job. And say, you know, if he doesn't need the money, I go, then cut off the sources of money. Who pays for his cell phone? Who pays for car insurance? Who pays for gas? 
Those are the things you cut back. Remember the story of the prodigal son when they said the prodigal son finally came to his senses? You know what the six words are right before, and he finally came to his senses? Here it is. And everyone quit giving him everything. It's requiring something of your son so that he doesn't have time to play video games and isolate, that he begins to learn that he's got to step up and be an adult, and you've got to start treating him like that. If you're harping on him about grades, you're not treating him like an adult. And that may be the way, the reason that he's isolated. Does that sound harsh? It'll be harsh on him just because it's time. It's time to grow up. Here's another question. Somebody says, I have a 13-year-old daughter who has a friend who is gay, and she tells me that they're only friends. They can be only friends. But here's the thing. It says, sleepovers are making me very nervous. Her and her friend slept in the same bed while three other friends slept on a futon and another mattress. One, I didn't know anybody had futons anymore. Um, and uh, but, it, but here's the thing. I'm all for the friendship. I, I think kids are learning to be diverse in the way they create relationships. I'm not for when a child says, I think I'm gay and has an attraction, same sex. So putting those two same sex people together because if they look at the same sex the way other people look at opposite sex, I would never, I would never allow my 13-year-old daughter to sleep with a 13-year-old boy who's attracted to her. I would never allow a 13-year-old girl to sleep with another 13-year-old girl who's attracted to her. And I think there's a place for sleepovers, but I also know this, there's a time that they need to quit because... The number of times that I've heard that that is where curiosity kind of kills the cat is that kids begin to experiment with different things on these sleepovers. And I know it's about relationships, and I know they want to spend time together, but it may be that you start having them spend the night at your house rather than at somebody else's house, you know, because you you just tell your daughter, I've, I'm all for this young lady. I don't want you to hate me. I'm all for her, but I am not for you guys sleeping together. Is that harsh? I hope not. Here's another question. Somebody says, my 18-year-old daughter thinks she's gay, and as a Christian, I'm at a loss in how to get through to her. Okay, at, at this point, Mom, let me tell you something. You can't get through to her. I mean, when a, when a child is 18 years, of old, 18 years of age, and they say that I think I'm gay, and they're dealing with sexual identity issues— this is a time you learn to love them and back off. I mean, you, you your example of how you live um, and how you have been living is the greatest expression of your commitment to biblical standards and values that you have. And so instead of trying to always convert her, she may be holding on to this gay thing. Um, and I don't say that slightly. She may be holding on to it because she's trying to prove to you that you can't control her, or she's tired of hearing the lessons, or she's disappointed uh, somewhere. But but I think it's learning to love her instead of trying to figure out how to change her. Um, I think if she's 12 or 13, you have some other types of discussions, but I think at this age, she's going to kind of be on her own and... Uh, how you approach it is loving her and, and setting some boundaries. You know, and, and you, you have to figure out, like any parent does, you know, if a child's living a lifestyle that is against what you want, do you still fund that lifestyle? 
You know, what are your requirements for, for giving her funds, for supporting her? She may be off at college. I told my son that I don't want you to be uh, driving a motorcycle. I don't want you to get married while you're still in college. You know, I don't want you to get anybody pregnant. And, um, and if you do, I'm not paying for college. Now, I know he did other stuff. I know he did a lot of other stuff. But um, those weren't my conditions. And so because I was paying the money, I get to set the conditions. I don't, get, I don't have to spend my money where I, don't where I don't want to. And so it may be telling a child that if, if somebody's living a lifestyle that you don't like, whatever that lifestyle is that you don't like, you don't have to give the money. And, and you just cut off the expectation, but you still can maintain the relationship. Are you following me? Okay, here's another mom that says, my daughter's in 10th grade. She started a new school. It didn't work out. Now she's wanting to go back to her old school. She's heartbroken over watching her feel so left out and unwanted. Uh, she's used to rejecting, and I feel like that's all she will ever see. That may be. And so what that means is, mom, you need to be spending time affirming your daughter. You know, if, if she doesn't like one school and goes to the other school, I would set up some prerequisites and say, okay, so if you don't like this other school you're going back to, what are some signs that we can look for that would say we get to pick the school you're going to go to? You know, because we change schools so you can be in one, uh, in one place. Now you're wanting to go back to the other because it didn't work out. Are we going to keep changing schools every semester? Because you'll never connect with anybody. It may be looking for other activities. What does she like to do? What would she like to do? Uh, what excites her uh, activities? Um, why is it that she doesn't have friends? And this is where you might get a counselor involved. You may have some truthful conversations that when you do this, this is what it does to people. I have told kids before, I think you're one of the most obnoxious people I've ever met but I want to help you and I will do everything to help you. It's both and it's not either or I just don't tell them that and let it go. But I tell them that this is what I see in the way you interact with people and I can help you in the way you interact. So you have a better relationship with people. So I speak the truth in love and then I offer them a remedy, which usually means that it's my involvement. So your daughter may be doing some things that are pushing people away that need to be addressed. Somebody else asked this question, said, my son is struggling with depression and anxiety. He hates school, only wants to hang out with a couple of people. Um, he's unhappy. He's moody. We've tried therapist. He doesn't want any kind of medication. How do I help him? One, I don't know his age, and, and I would encourage you to let me know how old he is so that I can speak to it. Because if he's 13 or 14, it's a little bit different than if he's 17 or 18. But it's normal for kids to hate school and only want to hang out with friends. That's, that's normal. But if he's struggling with depression, anxiety, I would get to the core of that and say, that's my biggest issue. It's not your friends. It's that you're depressed and you can't function. Um, and if you're trying to stay away from therapist and psychiatrist, then you're not wanting to get help from somebody else and you're trying to do it on your own. I wonder what he's doing with these other friends. That would be a question that I would ask.
Okay, here's another question that somebody said. Um, how do I do this grandparenting and parenting thing at the same time? And it's a wonderful, wonderful question because I hear it all the time. Um, and I would tell you this, be more of a parent on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and be a grandparent on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. You know, you got to train up a child. You've got to help them. You, you, you've got to teach them. Um, and, and when you're a grandparent, you got to be a parent and a parent, a grandparent at the same time. So have the rules, the consequences, and, and the things you want from them, but then spend some days where you're not being so much the parent, but you're being a grandparent, where you're spoiling them rotten, creating that home of rest, letting them do what they want to do, not telling them they're wrong, not correcting them any time during the day. It's both and. And it's difficult because grandparents really hold to a lot of old school, and old school is anything that's more than 20 years old, old school thought about how to engage with kids. This is where the book Grandparenting Teens is going to be a fantastic book for you, and so uh, take advantage of that. Another question said, um, my son is 16, and between my other two sons, 14 and 18, they're well-liked in their school, but my 16-year-old struggles socially and has no friends. He also struggles um, academically. His soccer coach doesn't play him at all. We don't think he can he can work during the school year because of all of his time commitments. I'm at a loss. He's mean all the time at home and puts himself down continuously. I would make sure that that you suggest to your child and entice him to go to counseling. Find a good counselor that can tap into him. That's a tough position to be in when you have two very successful kids on each side of you and you're the middle child and you feel like you're beat down, you will look at everything as negative because the younger one gets applauded all the time and evidently the older one is perfect. And so you're stuck in a position of uh, uh, just a hard, hard place to be. And so, uh, you know, above everything, it's affirming him, loving on him, saying, let's get some help because this isn't normal for you to continue to be this way. Um, and if you'll go to counseling, then I will do this for you. So what would it take to motivate your child to go sit and do counseling with somebody? Um, a dollar? I doubt. Ten dollars? How about a thousand dollars? If you gave your child a million dollars, would they go to counseling? Okay, and my point is this. I'm not so much striving that you give them money to get them to do something, but I'm saying there is a tipping point that a child will do what a parent is asking if it's enticing enough and beneficial enough to them uh, to do it. Are you following me? Okay, here's another lady that said, our three teenage son have reached the point of what seems to be daily arguing and verbally fighting with each other. And it usually happens when we ask them to work together. Um, here's some helpful tips. Don't have them work together anymore. Separate them out. You know, have them live in different rooms. Uh, the older one, let them live in the garage. Convert the garage to another room. Separate them. Give them some, you know, you, 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 I mean, if you don't give them the opportunity to, to show their age and the independence and control, then they're going to take it out on somebody else to prove that they're stronger and wiser and better and, and um, you know, just better than everybody else. So take the ringleader the one that causes the most problems and sit down and start spending time with them and saying, we got to address some things. 
that's usually the oldest one. Divide and conquer. Saying, we're going to go meet, spend some time, and help you manage your other two brothers, but I need your help, and I can't have you keep doing all this. Another lady asked, uh, I'm the mother of four daughters, um, 15, 14, 11, and 9. My husband left years ago. My two older ones don't want anything to do with him, and the two young ones miss him dearly. Well, that you know, that's normal. 14, 15-year-olds are... They're mad because of what their dad is doing. And this is where I think you just let them be mad and angry. And I think, and and what I hope for, and I hope the prayer is that your husband come to a conclusion that he can't continue to do this lifestyle because he's going to lose his kids. Of course he doesn't contact them because he feels full of shame when he does. And the two younger ones, it's just keeping open communication you know, making sure that they're communicating with their dad in some way, texting, writing letters. Why don't you write a letter to your dad and ask him some questions? You know, I, I, it's a tedious situation, and and, uh, and and I and I think you've got to allow them to feel the anger and the abandonment that they feel, and talk more about that. And this may also be a place where you get a family counselor to sit down with the five of you and talk about how you process things and get their input as to how to follow uh, the pattern. Each one of them has different feelings. And so for me to answer that question is difficult because there's a, a whole array of feelings that um, that they could be feeling. I hope, I hope this helps. Uh, I know I kind of ran through these really fast, but I wanted to make sure I answered some of them and give you some direction. And so here, I'll say it again, the Family in Crisis Conference, go to Family Crisis Retreat, get the grandparenting book if you're a grandparent, or if you want your parents to uh, to learn something different about how to engage with your kids. You know, if you know of anybody that, that wants to come work for us in East Texas, it's called yearintexas.com. I hope this has been helpful. I look forward to talking to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Parenting Today's Teens. For more information, visit parentingtodaysteens.org. And to learn more about Heartlight, visit heartlightministries.org. If this podcast has been helpful in your life and family, please share it or give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Of course, you can listen to Parenting Today's Teens wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us back here on Monday for another great episode. We'll talk to you then.